you have this process in place, then you can touch all those bases and you know that you're getting those people down as healthy a road as possible, the whole time being present for them. So you end up sounding a lot wiser than you are. <laughs> you know, I don't, I really don't think that it, it's almost, it's not really a, an expression of my wisdom so much as just to say, uh, well, this is the process I'm going to use. And it's, it just works. It works because it's, it's so well thought out. Welcome to the Home Run Leadership Show. I'm your host, Dr. Dave Webb. If you hate long meetings, frustration, and division, this is your guide to better, faster team decisions. If you face ongoing leadership stress, tune in today for Home Run Leadership Stories of Success. Greetings, everyone. I'm Dr. Dave Webb, and welcome to the Home Run Leadership Show I'm here today with Pastor Jeff Sackett. And Jeff, do you want to say hey and tell a little bit about yourself and your background and experience? Yeah. I've been an ELCA pastor for a little over 32 years. <clears throat> I'm married. I have three children. And I'm currently serving as lead pastor at Celebration Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. And I've been a home run leadership fan from early on. We, we, uh, Dave... Uh, taught me some of these things and we conversed about some of these things at a time that was really valuable in my life and it's really exciting to see it become a book and a project and something that a lot of people can learn from yeah and you are like the very first user of home run leadership that came out of my dissertation work so i had just finished my dissertation work <laughs> 20 some years ago uh jeff and i were probably out musky fishing together uh, Jeff and I are brother-in-laws, just full disclosure on the screen here, and uh, our our wives are sisters. So uh, we had a chance to be out musky fishing, talking about what anything under the sun. And I said, hey, you know, there's this four-step golden strategy that all change, all decision-making, all problem-solving, all of them follow, and all the research uses the same core science. So it's always IROD. It's always information, reactions, options, decisions. It always follows those four steps. And Jeff was just smart enough to grab it right away. I had a one pager that I used in early on coaching people at my school site when I was an assistant principal and principal. And Jeff took that and tucked it in the back of his car. So one of his very first stories he's going to share today is about a family that called and he happened to have that sheet of paper in his car, and he grabbed it to use it with this couple that was experiencing some challenge. So, Jeff, do you want to take it away and share sure. a first story? Yeah, sure. I would add that I'm probably just I'm probably not the first, but at least the oldest home run leadership user. But yeah, we you know as we go fishing, we we talk about stuff all the time. And Dave, you've always been interested in my life and the things that I was doing, and we'd talk about in-depth things and not just fish, which is good because you and I don't catch a lot of muskies when we when we go out. But yeah, so this was, this was in the back of my mind. It was something that I that I had thought was really kind of an interesting thing and hadn't really thought too much about processes and uh, conflict resolution up until that up until that time. So I had a couple that called me late one evening. They um, said, hey, can you come to our house? They just had the this needed to see the pastor. And so when I got to their house, the husband was sitting on the couch. Uh, the children were kind of wandering around in a daze and there was a big hole punched in the drywall. And the husband was saying, uh, I need to forgive my wife. I need to forgive my wife. And he just kept saying that over and over again. And, and uh, 
having just had this conversation, uh, it was in the back of my mind, I wouldn't have known what to do process wise, but I just said, Hey, uh, before we talk about that, can maybe just tell what happened? And it's an innocent enough question that most people mm-hmm. in any situation will gladly tell you the, the scenario of what happened. And so obviously his wife had been unfaithful to him and, uh, there was this really emotional experience that they were going through. And so we're able to kind of go back to step one. And what you taught me early on, Dave, is that uh, people always want to go to the end of the process. People always mm-hmm. want to jump to the conclusion. And we are a very results-oriented society. We want we want closure. We want we want to be on sif- shifting sand. And I think that's more so now than it was 20 years ago. So I said, hey, you know, God, golly, why don't you just tell me what happened? And so then the story kind of unfolded. And I said, well, how does that make you feel? And just to try to kind of move on the process Now, the phrase that I tend to use more with people is just to say, put a name on that emotion. Tell me what that emotion is. That allows people the release that they really need for the really powerful um, uh, thing that's within them, whether it's joy or anger or or resentment or whatever it is. It's just so important to get the emotions out there. And I've learned since then, running this process enough times and other experiences in the ministry that you cannot get anywhere when you're trying to go against people's emotional uh, strength. If you ever read the book Switch, where they talk about you know, change in people's lives, they actually describe, uh, use the metaphor of the emotions are are like an elephant. They just trample everything. So, hey, put a, put a name on that emotion for me. And so you can kind of move along. And then in a long process, and obviously not in a you know in one late evening with a couple who's had a really terrible thing happen say down the road you know what what do you think some of the options are for you as a couple or whatever the situation may be and then hopefully you can lead people to a resolution and uh, and to make a decision at the end of a process and it just feels way more satisfying way more way more rock solid than it does to kind of jump ahead and what gets missed is the emotional power and uh, then the clarity of what some of those options and if i could just compliment you on three things that i just want to highlight and recap for what you said is everyone wants to jump to a decision right away so if somebody says you know i need to forgive my wife or let's make a decision on what we're going to do with our relationship tonight there's time for that there's space for it but it doesn't have to be the first thing so you were able, because of the science, to guide them back. And then you had a golden question tucked in your back pocket, which was just, can you tell me what happened? I can't tell you the number of times as an assistant principal, I was an assistant principal for five years, and there'd be conflict in the school and an occasional fight during the school day. You get the kids down to the office and you try to separate them into different rooms. And the first question as always, hey, can you just tell me what happened? And then can you write down what happened? So the fact that you keep using that and have for 20 years is golden. And then once you get all of what happened, the story, oftentimes in a real emotional situation like that, that can take 20 to 30 minutes just to get the whole story out. And then you got to second base. Once you got the whole story, you were able to go to second base. And uh, you've adapted the question for one that just works really well. For you, which is just, can you put a name on that emotion? So it sounds a lot better and maybe less touchy-feely than, can you tell me how you're feeling? And you restructured the question well, made it usable for you, you, your line of work, and the people you serve. And it's just a really good question. Can you put a name on that emotion? It's a great second-base question. So three huge wins there in just one story. So way to go. Oh, it's an amazing process. And I think we could be lost if we 
if we didn't have something tucked away there that are just kind of those touchstone places where we want to go with people. Uh, two years ago, we had a lady in our church who lost her son during COVID. He was 34 years old. He was just this graceful, beautiful soul. He was a wonderful young man. He didn't die of COVID, but he died during that time. And it was a woman who I did not know very well, but had attended our church. And um, when I got to their house and said, hey, what what happened? And let them tell me the story, this heartbreaking story. And it was two years ago, almost this month, because I just had a two-year catch-up. And I try to go back to people you know, on the, on, the, on the anniversary of those kind of dates and say, hey, I'm thinking about you today. I know that you're getting up to that really powerful emotional date. But, um, but boy, put a name on that emotion. And just to, for a mom to have the opportunity to say, I am devastated. I'm devastated. I, I just can't tell you how, how powerful that is. They have to, you have to get to that place where a person shares that with you. And in that case, there were really not a lot of, you know, options, but still that touchstone was there to just get me in the door and say, I'm here. I care about you. Please tell me what happened. Um, your story matters. And then uh, in your emotions matter. And in a situation like that, you know, that there's just no end to a mother's grief and that there are other things that, that just continue to weigh on a person when they have that kind of tragic thing happen in their life. But it, it just, works. Right. Can I just stay on the grief there? Because I have a copy of your incredibly uh, nice note to parents when there was a middle school suicide that actually played out in your community. And you took time to write to the entire community about how can we really support our students at this difficult time. And you said, begin by asking, and when you're having conversations with your own kids, begin by asking what happened and who was this person and do you know about him or her? And really, it's a good place to open up to get grounded on helping to support your own kid in light of a school suicide. You then went to just to really check in with your own kids to see how they're feeling and Again, can you put a name on an emotion that you might be feeling? And you shared about just asking, what can we do now uh, to really reach out to others and hug and support one another? And I just thought it was beautiful and brilliant. You got it up and out to congregation members and up and out on the community and up and out on Facebook. And we're able to give and support people and uh, support to people who really needed it at that time. So just a huge home run. But it's the kind of thing that if you have that process in place, you don't really even have to try to create anything out of your own wisdom. You know what I mean? Like in the heat of the moment of caring for people, I could potentially say something that I wish that I hadn't said later, or it just keeps me very controlled. It keeps yeah. me on a path that I know, and I know where I want to get with that person. Um, in that case, we went to see the family the night that it happened, and they they weren't seeing people. And so when I when the family finally did come to see me, I went out to the parking lot when I saw them coming, and you know to greet them. And the mother said, "I don't even want to see you because when I see you, that's that's when I know that this is real." So the depth of emotion that people experience in those kind of times is it can take you as a leader on a wild wild ride. But when you have the this when you have this process in place then you can touch all those bases and you know that you're getting those people down as healthy a road as possible the whole time being present for them. So you end up sounding a lot wiser than you are. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't, I really don't think that it, it's almost, it's not really a, an expression of my wisdom so much as just to say, uh, you know, this is the process I'm going to use and it's right. it just works. It works because it's, it's so well thought out. 
I hate to stay on the theme of tragedy, but you had a tragic situation with your own church in your previous congregation where the church actually burned to the ground. And uh, do you want to give the background and then just share some of those base running? There's so many opportunities to base run when you have a tragedy like that. Yeah. But do you want to just share a few of the stories that tied with that? Yep. It was January of uh, 2000 and uh, I was at home with my wife and kids. I think the kids were in bed at that point and we got a phone call that our church was on fire and it was a, it was a relatively old building in a country setting. And we drove just a couple miles to where the church was and, and the firemen were working on the church and it was pretty much engulfed in flames fairly quickly. <clears throat> um, but the, it was a Saturday night, which means on Sunday morning, people are showing up for worship. And what they're finding is this big pile of ash. And uh, this important landmark in their lives is gone. And so it's just, I can't even, you know, for, for some people, it's the loss of, you know, a family member or someone they love. This is more of a community loss where, you know, uh, a guy a guy named Dan, who was a neighbor of mine, pulled up and and opened up his truck window and said, this is where I was baptized. This is where I was married. I mean, it just has so, the, the site, the place, that sense of place has such strong draw for people. And so to kind of get the information out to people and say, hey, this is what happened. And I think in that case, the the jump that people make, because everybody makes it, myself included, you do too, Dave, because it's just human, we're wired yeah. that way. But what, what will happen next, Pastor? Uh, what will we build uh, and where will we build it? Of course, being the gung-ho young pastor who wants to solve everybody's problem and be the great leader just said, well, you know, I th- think we should do this or that. And we're just kind of we're talking over the fence about different options and um, not even thinking at all about the emotional upheaval that was going. And so now you're already going down the road of, well, maybe we should relocate to a place where you know, where we can attract more people. And then right away, there's undercurrent in the community saying, well, Pastor Jeff wants to relocate. I don't go to church to watch cars drive by. You know, just it's just all of this. Or or there was a rumor then going around that my wife had an education degree and that we wanted to build a big building so that we could have a preschool so my wife could have a good paying job and I could too. Just all that stuff just gets let loose. You know, when you are, in this case, probably allowed to sort of let people draw you on to that conclusion. If I if I had that moment over, I would say this is what we know. We call that stealing bases or skipping bases, yeah, right? Uh, if you, you skip were, a base, yeah. it comes out of the woodwork at you. Well, I mean, what happens in baseball when you when you skip a base? You get thrown out. You're you're, right. you're out of the game. You can't even you're out you're out of the play. And so right. you know, I wish I could go back and just say, you know, hey, this is what we know. Someone some this happened, our building is gone. We're going to, today on Sunday, we'll be worshiping at the town hall in Palmer. Uh, and and then we'll, we'll just go from there. And the less I say, the better. And I'm just a total blabbermouth. I should just shut up most of the time. But especially in really high emotion situations like that. And then as the process unfolded, you know, uh, like I said, people's emotions were high. There was a, you know, then there there gets to be this sort of division in the congregation. And there are people who had lived there their whole lives saying, We've lived here our whole lives. We should get to decide. These new people have been here for just a couple of years. You know, they don't have the investment that we do. And now you're riding herd over this really difficult emotional situation. Now, right. I'll tell you what happened that was sweet. And it was it was Irod, and we didn't even know it. Yeah. I had a mentor pastor who was working with me. His name was Richard Moore. God rest his soul. He's not alive anymore. But he was working with me through the through uh, 
um, through the ELCA Division of, of Outreach. And we were visiting and he said, Jeff, if I were you, I would have a funeral for your building. Wow. And so we we had a time where we actually in, invited people to come and grieve and wow. tell stories about the building and mourn about the fact that it was gone and say this is how much it meant to them. And, wow. and when you look at it, that's 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 step two, right? That's helping yeah. people. It's actually, yeah, let me go this way. It's all a first and second base. People are sharing stories, but they're sharing all their reactions with those stories. So it's first and second base all combined together. It's like when you ask a kid coming out of a fight in the cafeteria, what happened? You get all a first and second mixed together. So it's just a big mush. But that's when those stories of, yeah, I grew up here. Um, I was baptized here. I got married here. Uh, it's a lot of first and second. Yeah. And, you know, and so then our congregation went through, you know, kind of, I, I feel like then just out of, out of the wisdom of my friend, Dick Mork, who was such a sweet soul, you know, to say, Hey, I think we missed a step here. And I know that that was pre, you know, IROD in my world, but still, Oh yeah, right. this really would be helpful. And our, and that congregation has a lovely building today. They have a, yeah. a I just saw a post on, on, on Facebook today of all these kids mm-hmm. who had done a, a big food scavenger hunt and, and just, you know, 50 kids in front of a big yeah. pile of food that they're distributing to the local food shelf. They have a beautiful pastoral spot where they still do ministry. And so mm-hmm. um, they, they have what they need and it worked out fine, but you really have to work that. You have to work that process. And here's the other thing that I would maybe wonder back to you, Dave, but I think a lot yeah. of it, sometimes has to do with our own motivation to be great leaders. And so mm-hmm. we cast that thing way out there and yeah. say, let's do this. And yeah. you'd be much better leader if you would, if you'd walk along this process and say, Hey, what happened, man? What, you know, what, are, what are we feeling now? What do we think some of our options are rather than to just sort of cast ahead? Maybe you've heard the old saying that you should never get too far ahead of your troops because they'll think you're the enemy and shoot you. And That's a pretty good quote. And Honestly, I, I told my board chair, uh, I've now retired as superintendent, but before I left, I said, one of the new guy mistakes that I made years, you know, the first couple of years in is, as a new superintendent, you try to do it all and you try to answer it all and you try to be all. And then once you get a few years under your belt, you say, hey, I need to follow my team. I need to support my team. You know, the 14 district leaders that are out there in food service and transportation and finance and HR and everything else, because they're going to do the heavy lifting. They're the experts and you need to support them. Um, don't get in front of them. So, and I think we I, I do think that we have these um, sort of delusions of grandeur that we're going to be a great leader. We're going to cast us. We're going to cast a vision. There's right. great pressure in churches as there is in schools to be great leaders. You know, that's yeah. just what the world needs. And then right. you realize, no, it's, it's, it's something quite different. It's, can you guide people through this process to discover that within themselves to then, then you got 14 great leaders who are right. equipping another hundred great leaders to really lead and do that work that they're called to do instead of, but I think it has a lot to do with our ego. I got to a point where yeah. I was in therapy and I was telling my therapist, if we don't yeah. build a great building, I'm not, I'm not a great pastor. And she said, well, let's just talk about that a little more, you know. know, Can I go, can I go there for a second? Because I had uh, a guy at one of my recent training sessions, business leader, a great business leader, business is doing great things. And he says, Dave, is it all about hitting home runs 
like all the time? And I said, no. If you really want to know the truth, it's about hitting single after single after single after single. You're trying to just get to first. So your golden question about, hey, can you tell me what happened? Just gets you to first base. Yeah. You got a single. And can you make, can you hit another single essentially and get to second with your team and to third and home? So he says that makes a whole lot more sense than home runs every time. And that's what you're so good at. Hitting singles leadership wouldn't be as good a book title, right? Exactly think, right. Here's the interesting thing, too. I, I, even as you're saying that, I'm recognizing that I used IROD today without even realizing that I was doing it because it's become so natural. A lady in our congregation felt a real nudge to create an event for sing, for, for seniors. Mm-hmm. And when they first put it up and they said, hey, uh, 55 and older, I looked up and went, man, I'm a senior citizen. I could go to this, you know. And, and uh, she, so she came into my office today. And I had not been at that event because I was, I was, I think I was on sabbatical at that time. But she emailed me and said, I really feel like this was a great event. Can I talk to you about it? And I said, sure. So she came in my office with this giant folder of ideas. And I said, hey, tell me what happened. (laughs) Tell me what happened at the first lunch bunch for seniors. Oh, we know we did this. We did that. Well, how do you feel about that? Oh, I feel great, but I'm a little nervous, you know, expectations, this and that. I said, well, you know, what are our options? She wanted to get my opinion, you know, about how things were yeah. going. I said, what do you think the options are? You, you know, we're going to do it once a month and the second Tuesday yeah. or whatever. Well, it looks like we've got some decisions. And, and I said to her, wouldn't it be great if more people could follow their passion along this line to say, boy, you know, I think there's something that could be helpful for our community. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really, I, I used it today. Yeah. Didn't even Didn't even remember that I was doing it. It's become such a natural right. part of conversation. To say, awesome. oh, how did that go? How what how, how did that event go? Oh, it's good. How did that make you feel? So I don't know. Just show to show you how natural it can be. You know what you're going right. for. And and I'm gonna. So you shared your first home runs, go to home runs, uh, incredible stories about your church and church leadership. Um, before we close today, do you have a time where um, where you always have go to like this? I know I'm always pulling these same questions out or is there a time where you just always use the same four questions? Um, most, mostly in, in times of crisis or times of pastoral care or when I get to some place and I don't know what has happened at all. Um, you know, that can happen on in, in staffing situations too. But a lot of times I'm I'm kind of sort of in the flow with my staff, which is a lot smaller than a larger, like a school district or things like that. But any time that I'm going into an unknown situation yeah. and, I, you know, and I'll just briefly share the other story that I've told you, which is I went to see a, a lead pastor of another congregation. Someone from her staff had right. applied for a job on our staff. And on our way. Uh, my colleague said, hey, what are we going to say when we get there? Assuming that, you know, the pastor at the other church was not going to be happy that someone was from their staff was applied for a position on ours. And I said, well, right. we'll just, we'll ask him, hey, what, what's happening here? What do we know? And how does that, how does that make us feel? How does that make you feel? Um, what do we think some of our options are? And when we left and we had a, you know, a productive conversation, when we left, my colleague said, I think they like us better now than they did when we got there. So there's right, a but look at what you did there. You restored that relationship. You were palms up, you shared information, got their reactions, yeah. talked about options, and you crossed home plate. Granted, the person might 
have come to your church, but the other team was able to let go and really mourn the loss and really be able to give them up and release them. You helped restore the relationship between the two of your churches. So huge home run. And don't you think this process really values people on a level that a lot of times they don't get valued at, which is, hey, tell me your story. Tell me what's going on. I mean, that's the uh, that's a key question for me nowadays, whether I'm doing IROD or not, is, hey, uh, yeah. what's your story? You ask someone that and they'll just yeah. they'll just go right at it. They'll tell you exactly who they are because you're expressing some interest and some care in who they are as a person. And in an IROD situation, you know, then you could flow on through to say, hey, you know, put a name on that emotion for me. Um, what do we think some of our options are? Just you got to come. You got to come work with my counsel someday, Dave, so that people yeah. can 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 get that process in their in their heads as deeply as it's wormed its way into mine. I'd love to do it. Just uh, the doors open if you have you can find a date. I'm yeah. always happy to do you know, governing board uh, training. The um, piece that I always bring in is what I think most governing boards struggle with is that governance versus management role. Uh, like if governing boards really can just get reminded of their key role is high level finance, making sure they're focused on policy, uh, for sure, the public relations and community relations in the church, and then, you know, supervision of the pastor and support of the pastor. If you can really stay focused on those four core, you're way ahead as a governing board. And then you don't have to get sucked into all the different minutia about hiring a particular staff member or recommendations for all the things that happen day to day that you you really manage as a pastor. And staff, it elevates you and supports you too. I can go deeper than staff. I mean, I can remember sitting at a council meeting and saying, why are we talking about a $300 ice maker for the kitchen? You know, just, it's yeah, just, there you go. You know, I had a guy who visited me just today who said, we need a new lawnmower. And just, you know, okay, but that's not what we're going to do at council next yeah. month. You know, it's just, it's just not. And so you have exactly. to get people out of the minutia and more in the, in more in the flow of managing these larger uh, places. And it's so, it's, it's easier to say than it is to do because people so, want results. Yeah. So thanks again, Jeff, for being on for today. Uh, great job. Great stories. Thanks for being the first, like you say, the oldest user I'll of the oldest. Home Run. <laughs> the oldest user of Home Run Leadership, uh, for being on today. Uh, we'd like to give you free access to the $500 course that we built for Home Run Leadership. It's 21 videos that just parallel the 21 chapters of our book. So stay on and I'll get you the free code for that love too. It. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I'll stick, I'll stick any by other words word. of advice? I just will stick by what I said on the jacket cover, which is I my theological training, I got at seminary. I learned to lead from this stuff. I really did. And I appreciate it very much. Yeah. Well, you're an awesome leader. Uh, great job today. And uh, thanks, everyone. If you want to keep tuning in to Home Run Leadership Shows, they're on YouTube. We try to get one up and out weekly. And we always say and close with, if you want to go great places, keep running the bases. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Jeff. We hope you're enjoying the Home Run Leadership Podcast. You can find all of our Home Run Meeting facilitation resources to produce better, faster team decisions and shorter meetings at homerunleadership.com. Click the subscribe button now and go hit more team home runs.